0: We lost to Michigan, we can't stand it, and we're thinking about calling a self-help line. All that and more next on Dotting the Eye with Davis and Chad. What's up, up, Guy Nation, and welcome back to Dot in the Eye with Davis and Chad. This is episode 38, and we are unfortunately coming to you from the basement of a cell where we may or may not drown ourselves later tonight. No, I'm just kidding. We are coming to you after an absolute trouncing by Michigan, 42-27 in the big house. And honestly, it took us a couple
1: of days to do this show due to severe depression. What do you say, Davis. I I don't know why you were kidding. I'm in the basement about ready to drown myself.
0: (laughs) It's not a joke. (laughs) Well, you know, it's really bad when the conversation between me and you goes along the lines of, hey, man, like, are you mentally stable enough to speak about Michigan game today? Or should we wait another day,
1: you know, to get so that you can get on track? Honestly, the best content that we could have put out there would have been right after the game, to be perfectly honest. Uh, because it would have really explained truly how we felt in the moment. And we've had a couple of days to sit on it, calm down a little, um, and try to maybe be a little more rational. You know, I kind of would have rather been a lot more irrational (laughs) to be honest with you uh, and use it more like a therapy session, but. Um, unfortunately, you know, it did take us a couple of days, partly because of schedule, partly because we, did, we really didn't want to do it Sunday night, but, um, here we are. And I guess let's get into it, man. I want to know, you know, I want to know kind of your overall view of this game. I know there's very specific parts that we're going to break down, but what was your overall feeling? Like let's say when the clock finally r- rung triple zero, what was your overall feeling? I felt cheated. I have to be
0: totally honest with you man that's the best word I can I can bring to the table because you and I have had conversations many times about this and one of the things that pisses me off more than anything is when I feel like the effort's not there. I don't get I don't mind getting beat by a better team. When everything goes wrong like it did in this game and on top of that the effort's not there I didn't feel. Now I will say this, the effort was there for CJ Stroud. Okay, the effort was there for Wilson and Njigba. But especially, dude, on on the defensive side of the ball, it just wasn't there. You know, we got destroyed on both sides of the ball in the trenches, and that was just really sad to watch. And it was really sad to watch Michigan do exactly what I thought they wouldn't be able to do at will and us not be able to stop it, dude. And honestly, I was depressed, dude, super depressed after the game was over. Like, I seriously felt like my dog got ran over by a car. I was like, I cannot believe that just happened. I didn't see that coming for the life of me. I didn't see that coming. You know, I mean, I thought maybe because it's Ohio State-Michigan, we could be looking at a one-score game, maybe a two-score game, maybe even a nail-biter that comes down to a last score. But to come out and just take an ass weapon like that, dude, have them put us over their knee on the very <laughs> first quarter of the game and just consider continue to break this breadboard over our ass for four quarters, I did not see that coming.
1: Uh, I'll be honest, I feel the same way to an extent. Um, you were talking about the defense. I mean, you know, it's a bad day when Bryson Shaw is probably your player of the game. Um, he's about the only one on defense that made any sort of defensive play. Um, I, I disagree with you in the fact, first of all, before I get into that, I'm gonna tell you my overall feeling and my overall feeling was I freaking knew it. And I don't know why that was just my overall feeling, but if you go back and recall, you know, kind of my feelings, and I know my feelings are typically a little bit nervy during uh, Ohio State Michigan week anyways, but I was extra nervy this week. And I couldn't put my finger on it. I couldn't really explain why. I just had this horrible feeling, man. And as it continued to unfold, I just had this pit in the, in the bottom of my stomach that I was like, man, something in, in, inside me told me that this was going to happen. Well, what was inside uh, you was Michigan. You just didn't know it yet. God, they could have at least bought me dinner first. You ain't kidding. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I know it looked like an ass whooping and it was okay. But it was a, it was a perfect storm. Everything went right for Michigan and nothing went right for Ohio State in every facet of the game. I could sit here and tell you how special teams – I mean, they would kick it off to us, and we'd get, get our average starting position around the 20, maybe not even 25. We had that one in the very first kickoff that dropped in front, and we had to get it at the, what, 6-7-yard line. Um, We're constantly kicking off to them, and for some reason our kicker can only get it to the 15, and by the time we catch him, he's at the 35 or 40. Then, obviously, yeah, on defense, we're getting – Yeah, but I'm how you're
0: saying – how are you saying that that is – Everything going right for them and everything going wrong for us. Nothing went right or wrong for anybody. They came out and played football and we didn't. There was no getting right or getting wrong.
1: They at what point this season? Didn't. At what point this season did you see our our kickoff kicker struggling to get that ball down towards the goal line Saturday, like, unless against the team up north? That's it. I'm saying like I'm. That's not happening. That that's a, that's a crappy playing game. Like okay, I, I don't see it right, as if all all like, right, the fates right. changed. So then, then, then we'll look at the offensive side of the ball. And constant false starts, right? Constant false starts. And I know that's plagued us in a few games, but that's us not being disciplined. And part of the reason we find out later was that there was a difficulty with CJ Stroud communicating because he actually was sick all week and had lost his voice and they, the offensive line couldn't hear him, which then you had mentioned in, in our previous conversation. Why didn't we just go to a, you know a silent snap count at that point? The big thing that I think started turning the game a little bit in a few spots, even though it gets kind of overlooked, was some of the drop passes or drop catches. I mean, especially the first one, we come down there with the chance to tie it up at 7-7 on second and goal or first and goal. And Olave drops a three-yard pass. And I'm sorry, yeah, you know, it might have been a tiny bit behind him, but no one broke that up. He just he bobbled it. He did not catch that ball. And that game literally could have went completely different had we scored a touchdown there. I know you're not going to believe me. I know some other people aren't. But some of the reasons why the game continued the way it was was because more things kept piling on and piling on. Michigan kept getting more confident, more confident, and we kept shooting ourselves in the foot. I mean— I mean, I agree
0: we shot, we shot ourselves in the foot, but you can't sit here and tell me that, that game would have been any different if a couple of receivers made a couple
1: of catches, dude. I think I mean, it would have. No way, Listen, dude, dude. We're looking okay, at okay, so, so we, All right, so we lost by 15 points. And they had 20 more yards of offense than we did. And we still had the potential to maybe find a way to stop them on that last drive and come back and score and go for two to take it overtime. Like it wasn't as big of a blowout and swooping as people are making it out to be in my opinion. The way they ran the ball on us was disgraceful. Okay. I'm not taking anything away from that. Uh, they shoved it down our throat. There was nothing we could do to stop it. It was embarrassing. If we played even half half as good on our offense as we normally did, we could have gotten to 42 points no problem. And that could have went in extras regardless of our crappy defense. So the offense had a lot of self-inflicted wounds that kept them from scoring as good as they should have. Yeah, but in you my shouldn't opinion. have to you shouldn't have to score every single drive to stay in a game. That's the point. I understand that. But in a game like that, when but you you're are some like, on like defense, a couple then of, you have to. I know, but you're saying a couple offensive plays is what what would change the game. No, it wouldn't have. I said, you know, potentially what? could have potentially could have. Dude, we have no idea. We couldn't stop anybody. We that's we,
0: why we lost the game,
1: period. We well, that stop them. them. I agree. If our offense played really good, we could have outscored them. We could have scored more than 42, but our offense did not play well. I just thought I, again, our defense had. Improved. I agree, dude. I'm not arguing with you in the fact that we got our asses kicked. OK, I'm arguing with you with you in the fact in a lot of other people that are just coming right out and saying we just got the doors blown off us. There was a lot of things that added up to where the final score ended up being. And if you really look at the numbers, you know, we had almost a, we had more time possession. we had almost just as many yards as they did. Um, we had just as many first downs and everything. The problem is we didn't score seven uh, handful, a couple of times when we we, we should have when we settled for field goals. We got ourselves behind. They made us one dimensional and having to throw the ball more often. And that equated to them being able to pass rush, get sacks on the quarterback. It's a snowball effect. I mean, something very similar kind of happened against Mission State. Like, we got them behind early, and they had to kind of abandon some of their game plan. And they did the same thing to us. They smacked us in the mouth early, and we had to change a game plan, at least on offense, that didn't work out. And we never even made a change on defense, which is a whole other question that I have. Well, we'll have to agree to disagree, because I, to me, I have absolutely
0: nothing to say about the offense in this game. I think we lost the battle up front. They put pressure on C.J. Stroud all day long, and that's why we looked as bad as we did on defense, but that or on offense. But then again, that's a that's a that's an issue where Michigan affected us. And I think that they won in the trenches on the other side of the ball too. And that's why we couldn't stop. And that's why they had these big holes to run through all the time. So honestly, I really don't blame the defense for much or the offense for much. I blame the defense for darn near everything in the game. To be totally honest with you, lack of effort. Uh, Lack of scheme, lack of coaching, uh, you know, pretty much everything, getting blown off the ball every time. I mean, to be honest, dude, you know, I I really just, I'm so disappointed because I thought, you know, we talked about it and I was like, man, I need another week. I need another week. I kept saying that. I don't, I don't know if I believe it. I need another week. This team came out looking like week two team and not week 12 team. And that, Mm -hmm. that just kind of, I don't know, man. Thing that will, like I said, will always make me mad is, just that I don't know how we could come out looking that way. And I'm not talking about a game where we come out maybe we're a little bit shocked, you know, something like that. But I'm talking about a game, dude. You're talking about Michigan, for the love of Christ, Michigan. And you're talking about going to the Big Ten Championship game and being ranked number two in the country, man. And you come out and people look like, I'm sorry, they looked uninspired all day. From the first snap of the freaking game, they looked uninspired. And I hate that. And I blame... I know you're probably going to – we're going to argue about this later, but I blame the head coach for that. When your team comes out uninspired in a huge game like that, that should mean everything to them, and they they don't, like, dude, that's on you. Nobody else but you. you and, know. I, dude, I, I, I'm just – that's why I'm so angry about it, dude. And I'm not saying Ryan Day should get fired. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, damn it, dude, eat some crow. Come out here and say, hey, I didn't have
1: him ready to go. Say something. You know what I mean? Because, like, to me, it's on him. Well, and I'm going to rebuttal you just for sense of a little bit of argument because I'm not completely disagreeing with you. But I think it gets understated just how young this team is. I mean, we're playing more freshmen this year than we've probably ever played. Um, We have a handful of kids that have never played in the game, let alone played in the game on the road in a, you know, a must win format. I don't think it's as much as them coming out uninspired. I think they almost came out maybe too antsy and too excited for the game that they became undisciplined and they made stupid mistakes, maybe trying to overtry on some things that to us look like they're just out of position and not trying. Now, I will say this we didn't get off a single block. Uh, Michigan out us they really did and it looked like once we wrapped up into a block we didn't even make an attempt to get out of that block to make a tackle we just went ahead and got stuck in that block
0: dude we had um, linebackers not filling holes we had people arm tackling we had people just torpedoing people and not wrapping up the tackling was atrocious the angles were atrocious
1: everything was atrocious I agree man listen I agree I just think you know, and I know all the blame is getting put on the defense and all the focuses, but you've got to realistically at least see where I'm coming from with the offense, man. I mean, we we did a hundred yards less than what we normally do, um, and even with that, still only scoring 27 points off of 450 yards of offense is not good because well, that's your head coach, not your offense uh well That's it, is the, it is when it is it is when the wide receivers are dropping passes they normally catch it yeah, seems like the only ones they caught receivers. were the the only ones they caught were the tough balls the ones that they actually should have caught that were meaningful i mean it wasn't just that olave touchdown there was one that jackson smith and Jigba dropped he actually had it and then fell to the ground on his own and it bounced out of his uh out of his arms and that was for a first down um there was there were some key drops in that situation now i'm not saying that was the whole game but Those are drive killers, just like, you know, constantly being put behind the sticks. I mean, the whole game, I think Michigan averaged like third and two. And the whole time we were averaging third and nine, third and ten. You're not going to win a top five matchup, even with that statistic alone. You know, it's almost amazing that I guess in, in a sense, the offense did as good as they did, constantly being behind the sticks, quarterback being pressured with the drops and everything. But, you know, the offense did not do particularly well because let's say the defense even did pretty well we still could have lost that game 28 27 and the defense could have played better and then we'd be sitting here blaming the offense so the offense to me is just as much to blame as the defense and even though they look more productive and still got some yards and cj looked pretty decent we were not efficient at all and i think it's our lowest scoring game of the entire year on offense if i'm not if i'm I'm not incorrect yeah but you do realize right that when you factor that into the fact that
0: he's being rushed damn near every time he's getting ready to get rid of the ball and you know, we can't run it. It's hard for me to blame the offense. I blame the offensive line. Yes. But CJ was having to make decisions, dude in a hurry. Everything he did was in a hurry. So it's hard for me to really blame. That's why I'm saying like, it's really hard for me to blame the offense as a whole offensive line. Yes. Red zone play calling by Ryan day, which has been atrocious in every big game. I think he's ever coached. Yes, but it's really hard for me to say, Oh, You know, our offense had a bad day because honestly, dude, they were all on CJ all day long. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, man, like we we can't stop anybody. So for him to actually battle through and have the stats that he ended up having, I thought honestly he was the MVP of the game like all the way through.
1: Yeah. And I'll leave it at this because I know we want to focus more on the defense a little bit. But CJ Stroud impressed me. And he impressed me even more after the fact, the more I sit here and think about it, because, you know, this is his first game playing against Michigan, playing on the road. He didn't even get to experience that game last year as a true freshman because we didn't play them. Uh, He's going on the road, tough environment with an offensive line that wasn't really helping him out much uh, with uh, receivers that were dropping passes. And he still put up almost 400 yards, two touchdowns. You saw him really try to be a competitor. There was that one that he actually ran in for a touchdown that was a hell of a run that I didn't even know he actually had in him. And you saw how fired up he was. Now, of course, it got called back on a very questionable holding call. But, you know, you finally saw him really stepping up and making plays and doing the best he could with what he had. I think C.J. Stroud is... Almost underrated to an extent. Like, I don't think people really realize how good this kid really is and how much he's really improved as years gone on. So, if there's any silver lining at all, I have a lot of faith in CJ Stroud moving forward. The key now is we've got to get this defense fixed. So, I'm going to ask you moving forward, what has got to be the change in order for this defense to get fixed? And for you to consider it being fixed, are we talking? mid late 90s old school Ohio State defense are we talking fixed just as a competent defense that you know as long as we have a good enough scoring offense it's a competent defense
0: man that's a really good question
1: to be honest um at this point I think that dude we're not going to have a mid 90s defense I don't care who they bring in unless the games the games change and I'm that that's the point I wanted to make at least initially is the games changed you know, and I'm not saying that that's not doable, but you would almost have to completely focus all of your energy um, and all of your recruiting energy on building up a defense. But if you build up a defense that's really that good, I mean, you're going to sacrifice one thing for the other. Either you're going to have speed or you're going to have power. And it seems like Ryan Day is really trying to surround everyone with speed. And it, it looked like, you know, against a team like Michigan that's rolling like that, we needed more power and we just didn't have it. Yeah.
0: I'll say this about Ryan Day. I think it's become extremely apparent to me that I'm not going to say that he doesn't know defense. I'm going to say that he doesn't want to put his hands in the defense. I can see that. Or if he is, maybe he's not the best person to have his hands in the defense. With that being said, I don't think he should go through the roster and fire everybody. I mean, there's some really good recruiters there. You know what I mean? Uh, Honestly, I think Al Washington needs to go. I'm going to tell you the truth. Our linebackers especially have been pretty poor over the last few years and our recruitment of linebackers has been poor over the last few years. Mm -hmm. Um I I would, in my personal opinion, I would not fire Kerry Combs. I would bring him back down to the field. I'd let him coach defensive backs. Um and for me, the biggest change that I want to see is a new a new D coordinator. Somebody with experience that's been there and done that. Somebody that knows like a Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame, somebody like that. I'd like to see them bring in a Buckeye that understands the tradition of an Ohio State defense and what it's been over the years, and that knows defense, dude, and can put some more input into this, you know, and, and make it right. I'm not saying go out there and clean house, but I got to be honest, Kerry Combs is not the guy. We know that. And to be honest, I, I thought about, you know, giving Barnes a, cha- a chance, but after this game, I don't think he's ready for it either. So at this point, dude, I think you have to bring in someone with some experience. And if I'm Ryan Day, man, the games we lost this season and the struggles we had were all on one side of the ball. I don't even think we're having the same kind of conversations if our defense is even halfway competent for most of the year. So at that point, man, and you're taking all that blame as the head coach. So at that point, dude, I think you have to make that, that change to, to solidify your legacy, dude, at Ohio State. I so let me ask
1: you this. How much of it do you think is the defensive personnel and how much do you think it is the coaching? I'd say it's probably, in my, in
0: my estimation, I would say that there's probably, it's about a 60-40 split for me. I think we could definitely use better personnel um, on the defense. Now, we have some guys, like I said, that have stepped up. Of course, Ronnie Hickman's a star, and you have, you know, we've had a few guys on the line that are, that are good and stuff like that, but Bryson Shaw shouldn't be on a football field at Ohio State.
1: I don't care if he had an interception or not. I'm sorry. Well, they threw the ball right to him, so it wasn't like yeah. he, you know, the, the quarterback made a horrible read there, and he just had to be in the right spot at the right
0: time. I just think for us getting four- and five-star recruits all the time, like we do at Ohio State, like we do year in and year out, okay, the coaching needs to be to a level to allow those guys to excel and to be able to put them in a spot to excel and to know what the difference is. And I think that right now we just don't have the right personnel there. There's too many people. There should never be, in my opinion, there should never be defense by committee. Oh, well, it's a team effort to get. No, it's not a team effort. If you're the linebacker coach, you're the linebacker coach. That's it. The defensive coordinator will be the one choosing the schemes and setting this thing up, and that's the guy. That's why he gets paid more than you do. And I think we need that guy, dude. I really do. I think we need something fresh, something new leadership, and to change this thing around, man. I mean,
1: what do, what do you think? What, what, what's your call on the defense? So I'm going to go to what I'm thinking about in regards to coaching and what I think about um, personnel. And I'm going to say it's more on the personnel and not as much on the coaching. Now, I still think the coaching is a big problem, and it needs changed. Um, But I think people neglect to understand. I mean, we had two linebackers that one transferred out and one quit the team. And we had – I mean, we had – you know it's bad when we have one of our best linebackers is a running back that had – You know, transferred over to the defensive side of the ball and became and learned to be a a linebacker. One of our best safeties, Josh Proctor, got injured, what, third, second, third game of the season. Um, And he was out for the rest of the year. I mean, we already had some weaker spots in the defense to begin with, even without these injuries and these transfers. We were definitely very weak at linebacker. And we knew that coming into the season ahead of time. And I think we have some good young recruits. But I agree that I think of anything, you know, I, I believe that we're we're really shorthanded and a lot kind of got masked throughout the season in spots like people see Purdue and still still understand all oh, we blew them out. But we still give up 31 points in that game. And if our offense wasn't clicking on all centers, that could have been a, a close game and a possible loss. And I know we're looking at the Michigan State game and be like, oh, well, we really shut them down. We forced them to change their game plan real early. We came out firing on all cylinders, and they had to change from what they are really strong at. And you look at some of the other games throughout the year, um, and I think there was more of a consistent look and feel to what our defense is that more mimicked what happened at Michigan than what happened against Michigan State. There was never a really consistent feel to the defense, and I think these changes were maybe more hopeful changes. But I, all I think it did was put a Band-Aid on the situation. And we finally came up to a team that knew what our weaknesses are. They're the team that probably follows us you know, closer than any other opponent we're going to play all year. They've had a chip on their shoulder. They apparently used things that we've said in the past as motivation. You know, it was a perfect storm, man. And they completely exposed the problems that we have on defense that were always going to be there. And that's what happened. So that's kind of my take on it. And I think in the back of my head, that's why I was so worrisome about this game and mix that the fact that, I mean, people neglect to understand like, okay, we've beat Michigan for, you know, eight straight times. And it's been 10 years since we've lost to him. Right. But in that span, there's only about maybe two or three blowouts. Other than that, we've had several close games. I mean, you remember the one that Rich Rod went for two. To try to beat us. And we only won by one. You remember the one went to double overtime. And barely won. I mean it wasn't like. Except for the past couple years that we played them. That there was that big of a difference. So we've played them close. We've just come out on the better end of it. It was almost kind of like everything aligned. And they were due to just hammer us. So that's why I'm not as knee-jerk reaction as the majority of people are, where everyone wants everyone's head for this, but a lot of people are probably just not used to seeing Ohio State lose this game. Now, I'm not sitting here and saying I'm okay with the result. I mean, it made me sick to my stomach. Like, it ruined my entire weekend. Like, I had to go back to work on Monday, and like, half my gear is Ohio State. I still wore it, but it was difficult to deal with. It was difficult to see Ohio State get battered around like that, and it was a hard truth that we had to face. So, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I think
0: that at this point in Ryan Day's career, it's time for him to prove how serious he is about this. You know, there's a lot of things swirling around about him, you know, which you and I will address. There's a lot of things swirling around about him. And to be honest, I think he's a great coach. I like him as a guy, I like him as a coach. I like him, you know, I like him. But the thing is, man, like at this point, I think it's kind of people are going to test your commitment right now. You've got to make changes at this point. This cannot go on. It cannot. I'm sorry. At the end of the day, I know you've got people that you brought in, people that you trust. But if they're not doing the job, man, you've got to move on. You've got to find something else. And I think Ryan Day's at a crossroads with that in his career right now. Um, Loyalty versus, you know, getting the job done, man. Because I really do think us bringing in four- and five-star recruits every single year like we have, to me, if you're not good, it's coaching. There is no other explanation if you're bringing in NFL type talent guys that can play anywhere guys that are getting offers from Alabama Clemson and everywhere else in the universe and you can't develop them and you're getting scored 42 points on a game. um, Yeah, there's an issue and it's coaching and and I I, I stand by that dude and I just think at this point in Ryan Day's career he's got to decide man like what what how do I want to be remembered at Ohio State we're in year three now and you know, I'm, I'm not saying that the first two years weren't good. They were. I mean, we got trounced. I mean, we got trounced by Clemson one year, trounced by Alabama this year or the year before, and then we lost to, you know, Oregon and Michigan this year, which was an extra special blow for people in Columbus, Ohio, because like you said, it hasn't happened in so long. People don't know how to handle it. But at the same point in time, man, like, you know, I, I think right now is the most critical point in his career. Like, wh- what do you do from here? So that's my question to you. What are you doing if you're Ryan Day today? What
1: changes are you making? Well, I'll, I I want to preface it with this before I address that is that, you know, the more I've sat and talked about it and part of it is also talks that, you know, you, you've you kind of give, opened my eyes a little bit more about Ryan Day because you, from the beginning, you always had your reservations about why he was hired as a head coach in the first place. And how we shouldn't have at least opened that up to see what other options are. Is he really ready to not just be a head coach, but the head coach of one of the top programs in the entire country? It kind of dawned on me the similarities that I've seen between him and Lincoln Riley. And I want you to think about this. So both of those coaches were first-time head coaches, um, both at Oklahoma and Ohio State. And they kind of moved up through the ranks and got the job after, you know, the big head coach moved on. They were kind of named the successor, right? Mm-hmm. And early on in their careers, they were taking teams to the playoffs, and they had really good quarterback play. I mean, we sent Dwayne Haskins to to New York. We sent Justin Fields to New York. You know, we made back to back playoffs under Ryan Day. The um, similar thing with um, with Lincoln Riley, but the difference is, you know, couldn't close the deal. And as the years went on, they started getting gradually worse and worse. Uh, To where you're looking at Lincoln Riley's, I don't know what, maybe his fifth, sixth year now, uh, however long he was at Oklahoma, and he's not making the playoffs and he's not going to win the Big 12. And now you're looking at Ryan Day, and that first year goes unbeaten, looks like we have the best team in the country, and we lose a heartbreaker in the semifinal, probably our best chance to win the title that year. Following year, in the COVID year, we struggle, we still end up going unbeaten, and then we get decimated by Alabama. And now we're looking at this year, and he loses his first regular season game to a ranked opponent that we were favored by double digits, and we lose at uh, at Michigan, on a team that we were favored by you know almost more than a score. And if you really look, you know both these coaches are having really good quarterback play, and they're getting the offenses being pretty good, but the defenses are not doing well at all. And the defense is actually what's ruining these teams. So I'm almost seeing a a humongous similarity in both of them in the fact that what it's going to take for a Lincoln-Riley team, which now he's at USC, so I'm not sure what that situation is going to look like, but I think Ryan Day in this year is the most critical year of his coaching career. And this is where he's got to realize, hey, am I cut out for this? Am I the man for the job? Is this what my legacy is going to be? Or am I on the fast track to getting out of here? Because I do believe he is now – and I, I would have never took this hot take but I think he's a little bit on the hot seat and the reason why I say that now Is if we don't see a massive improvement and if we lose to the team up north again next year And don't qualify to even play for the big 10 or have a shot at the cfp again I think there's a good chance that he could potentially be out And that's really hard to say considering the record and everything he's already done but You know, he did kind of invest a lot of, you know, or inherit a lot of players from the urban era. And now that they're coming out and they're really getting his kids in, we're seeing a slight drop in performance overall. And I would have never really even said this or thought about this until you kind of really brought it up to me. And I really started thinking about it because, you know, I thought a lot of people were really overreacting, kind of wanting Ryan Day's head for this. And I still think that's an overreaction. And I know it's one game, but if you really look at each year individually – He's taken a step back every single year. Yeah, he
0: has. And you know what, dude, I, I'm not ready to fire Ryan Day. And I and I th- honestly think, in my opinion, if he loses, I don't know, man. To me, here's the thing. D- it,
1: who's coaching Notre Dame next year? Because we open with them. That's, that's, gonna that's be, number it's, one. It's, it's got to be Luke Fickle, man. You know, they came out even today, and they did not want to promote Marcus Freeman up to head coach. And they've made it very apparent their number one target is Luke Fickle. But Luke Fickle's busy this year. You know, he's got one more big game and a potential CFP berth. So that's not even going to be addressed for maybe another month or two months. But I think that's what a lot of people are expecting, um, is that Luke Fickle would take that job. And I think there's two jobs Luke Fickle would leave uh, Cincinnati for, and I think it's Notre Dame and Ohio State. I think Notre Dame is a safe move for Luke Fickle. I don't think he wants to
0: enter the SEC, I don't think you know what I mean. Here's the thing: like, I feel like entering the SEC means you're making a job choice. Most of those guys end up recirculating through the SEC. You know what I mean? That they'll coach at a big school and then they'll get fired and they'll coach at a lesser school in the SEC. You know, and that's kind of how that. And eventually, they always end up back in there. I feel like. Well,
1: it's really hard to be a long tenured coach in the SEC. It really yeah. is because they want instant results, and the problem is you have between Alabama and Georgia those are the two dogs of the SEC and those are probably two of the longest tenured coaches I mean obviously uh you know unless you're at UK or Vanderbilt where you know you don't t- typically have to win the SEC to be considered to have a good year but you know you, you even look at was it Gene Chizik uh that was head coach of Auburn I can't remember his name you know he wins the national title and you know maybe four or five years later he's fired and yeah. you look at Ed Ordron; he wins the national title, and two years later, he, he's fired. There's The SEC is where coach, head coaches go to die because they cannot keep up with what other people in the SEC are expecting, and it's except, unrealistic. Except my buddy, dude. I know I've been
0: telling you this for five years. Kiffy? Yep. He's coming back. He will have one of those
1: jobs. You wait. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's one of the few, but he also didn't spend his whole tenure there. He left and went to FAU there for a while. and then They've
0: made this man work from the bottom up a couple of times, and he keeps doing it. So yeah. he will be back. Yeah, I've always said that. You know, I make fun of him. I'm, it's not like I like the guy. It's just the fact that he knows the SEC, he coaches in the SEC, and he's been successful. Here he is again, right back in the top ten at Old Miss. So even though he's a jerk, I know he is. Um, he will end up coaching one of these big teams at some point, guaranteed. Back to the nature at hand here. Yeah, I I think if Ryan Day loses to Notre Dame right off the rip, which I think is a real possibility, because I personally think, and you and I have had this conversation, with what we're losing, I don't think we're going to be better next year when we come out. I think we're going to actually be worse. So I think it's a real possibility, depending on what kind of situation goes on in Notre Dame, we could lose that game right off the rip. And I think if he loses that game and maybe one game or or. Two more games, and one of those games is Michigan. Yeah, I think I think we're talking about a serious situation with Ryan Day's job.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not in disagreement with you about any of that, and people don't realize the schedule we're getting ready to look at next year. Um, I don't know where that game is at. I haven't even bothered to look. Do you know, is it at Notre Dame? Is it at Ohio State? Man, I idea? thought. I don't know. I'm not going to look it up, but regardless, I mean, Notre Dame is going to be a preseason top 10 ranked team. I assume we're going to remain a top 10 ranked team. Um, obviously with some of the key players, we're going to have come back cause we are playing young. Um, but that's going to be a key game to set the whole season off. And that's game one of the year where, you know, we don't get some cupcake game or anything like that. That's coming out straight up at the very beginning of the year, you know, with a knockout punch. That game's at home and by the way. We got it at home. Yeah. Okay. That does make a difference. Um, I, I would feel more confident in that game, obviously, because of that. But, you know, we're also, I believe, going on the road to Penn State. We're going on the road to Michigan State. I think we have Wisconsin next year. Um, obviously, I'm going to anticipate Michigan being in a similar boat like they are this year. I mean, I'm not sure what their schedule's looking like next year, but I would have to assume they're going to be in a similar spot. They look like they're kind of set up for success uh, for the next couple of years with the way they look, you know, I think they're really more back to the team that is going to be a legitimate rivalry and it's going to be decided in November every year. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough sled. And, you know, I think urban kind of had the benefit of the doubt with a lot of down Michigan teams. You know, I know he was seven and zero, and that's great. And I'm not taking any credit away from him, but I don't think he always played against the best Michigan teams. You know, he didn't play against the best Michigan teams like Cooper did, like Jim Trestle did. um, and I think that now that Jim Harbaugh has finally figured out something that is working with that program and gotten, a, you know, the, I guess finally the right recruits or the right game plan or he finally hired the right coaches, you know, younger coaches that are now playing more of a modern football with kind of his, you know, you know, historic football twist to it. But, you know, that that I think this is now going to be that grinding rivalry that it used to be. I think that ten-year gap is done. And I don't think there's going to be any more gimmies. Even with that being the case, that's still not going to be an excuse for if Ryan Day cannot turn around and win this game at home next year. And I think that's ultimately going to be the decider on his fate moving forward. Um, that Notre Dame game obviously is important uh, to get the, the, the season started. But as even this year proved, we could lose that game and it still may not matter for the whole season. See, here's the reason I don't
0: think he gets fired next year, even if he loses two or three games, and it has nothing to do with whether or not he should be fired or whether or not everybody's going to be calling for his head. It has to do with who our athletic director is, and it has to do with the fact that we know. We know the deal, okay? We know him. We've known him for years. He's always the last horse to the race. He's always very reserved, very wait-to-the-last-minute, the the last-to-act-on-anything kind of guy. And I think that he will give Ryan more leash than we would here. That's what I think.
1: Yeah, but I think with the alumni base and boosters and the overall view of the program, Ohio State is very influential with their following. And if we are completely unhappy and pleased, um, I can see that affecting what Ohio state has to do coaching wise. Now you also run into the problem. Now we're, we're kind of talking hearsay, you know, but then you have to follow up the question with, okay, Ryan days lost back to back teams against Michigan and he's struggling in big games. And at that point releasing him, you'd also have to understand what else is out there that is going to be a better option. And I'm not saying that we just stick with Ryan day because nothing else better, even though we continue to lose Michigan, but You know, we had a talk like, you know, if Ryan Day isn't going to be the head coach, you know, at Ohio State forever, and especially if we're struggling moving forward, what's going to be the move? What's going to be the kind of coach that we're looking for? Because especially with this coaching carousel happening this year, I think that even further would help Ryan Day to keep his job because a lot of big names are going to be moving around to some big time destinations this year, and they're going to be in contracts early on in their career. And I don't see anybody flip-flopping with a year or two to try to come to Ohio State, or even if they can. You know, I know we had talked that one coach that we wouldn't mind having Luke Fickle come to be the head coach at Ohio State because he played at Ohio State. He's a defensive minded coach. Um, we have a lot of faith in him. We like what he did when he was coaching for Ohio State on the defensive side of the ball. You know, he I believe he was defensive coordinator and he did really well. Um, but the problem is, you know, if he takes his Notre Dame job. And Ryan Day either leaves or is released of his duties within the next year or two. You mean to tell me after one or two years in Notre Dame he's going to turn around and leave for Ohio State? No. No, and
0: that's why I think this decision is so important. And I was talking to people today about it. Um, I think if Luke doesn't take a job, it says
1: a whole lot. It if he doesn't much tells I, what he's I agree. Waiting on. if he doesn't take the Notre Dame job, he's waiting for Ohio State to open up. And he yeah. knows something that Either Ryan, because I know there's been talks and again, it's all talks, but there's talks that Ryan Day could potentially be the next Bears, Chicago Bears head coach, or potentially make another move to the NFL. From what I've seen, you know, he's an excellent quarterback coach, but when it comes to offensive play calling, especially in big games, I know me and you have had problems with that. It's like this red zone offense stuff. And some of these play calls where it's like third and five and we're running the ball for two yards or it's maybe third and two, but we're running just a very vanilla ISO running play up the middle that gets stuff. And there's no creativity to some of this. Like he's a great passing coordinator if that's what it is. But he, it, we, we almost had this talk like I don't think Ryan day understands college football, the running game because he's not really fully utilized it. I think in the proper way that would help with red zone offense that would help with um, some of these other drives that are stalling out because the way he's calling these runs, if we assume he is the offensive play caller, which I believe we understand he is, there's issues there. The difference, okay, year one, I know you and I had this conversation.
0: Ryan Day was way more aggressive in year one. How many times have I said either Urban Meyer or Ryan Day in this first year, like, man, that guy's probably carrying around his satchel in a wheelbarrow. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) To make that play, you know what I mean, like (laughs) yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but that has died off. It really has. Last year and this year,
1: he's gotten safe,
0: super Mm -hmm. safe. And it's almost like when you know when he's between the twenties, though, he's still slightly edgy, at least. You know what I mean, like in the passing game, like you said. But then it's like, man, when we get to the twenty-yard line, when we hit that red zone thing, it's like he gets so scared. He's afraid to call anything, dude, and I I think it's killing him, and I, I think it's killing us. I think that if he would take some more risks,
1: then we would be way more successful, but he's just not willing to do it right now. Yeah, I, I honestly can't understand some of the play calling, man, you know, and I'd even say I'd even be the one to argue that the the Michigan game really changed course when we came out of halftime with the ball. Down one, a chance to, you know, score, get some momentum going. We had just kicked a field goal at the end of the half, had a chance to, you know, score back to back, take the lead, put some pressure on Michigan, and we come out and we run the ball three straight times and go three and out. And there was no creativity to any of those plays. Now, first and second down runs weren't too bad. We still had like a third and two, but then you run Travion Henderson up the middle a third time and he gets, a, you know, hit for a loss of a yard. Complete drive killer, three and out, kick the ball to them. They take, what, three, four plays, come down and score. We're down by eight magically. That was the difference, and that play calling, I don't know if they saw something that we didn't see that they thought would work, and but it was almost predictable. It obviously didn't work, and I think that was a big drive uh, that kind of swayed the game, really, Michigan's favor completely at that point. And I think those things... Don't get noticed as much, and how important the play calling really is to kind of sustain these drives and get the momentum changed around. Well, let me and ask you this: they, he's doing this in big games. Yeah, big games,
0: dude. He's he's called a stinker in several big games. I mean, you and I have talked about this. Yeah, several games, big games. He's called a stinker. So, with all that being said, I want to I want to hear this from you. Give me a letter grade on Ryan Day's tenure so far here at Ohio State.
1: Over the whole three years or each year a letter grade. Over the whole three years, a cumulative grade. Uh, probably a B to B minus. B That's B minus. Fair. B B minus, it might be a tiny bit harsh because we're talking two Big Ten titles, we're talking two playoff appearances, and we're talking one national championship appearance. So to most other people in three years, that would be an A, right? Well, I'm taking it to a B and possibly B-minus because one is we've not won a national title in two college football playoff appearances, um, and we've lost to our rival for the first time in 10 years. And the way we lost, um, it did not look good. It hurt, especially for the simple fact that the defense has been trending in the wrong direction for the last three years. You know, because if you think about it, Urban Meyer obviously had a really rough final year in 2018. It was historically one of the worst defenses we've had. But we still only had one loss that year, won the Big Ten, and went to the Rose Bowl and beat Washington. So we went, what, 12-1 and that year with one of the historically worst defenses we've ever had. Here we are in 2021 with not one of the historically worst defenses Ohio State's ever had, but it's not a great one. And a historically really good offense, probably one of the best offenses Ohio State's ever had in regards to at least offensive yards and points per game. And here we are without a Big Ten title with two losses. So where's the disconnect there? For me personally,
0: this is the worst defense we've had. That's for me personally. And that has nothing to do with, like you said, statistics. I get it. I'm not disagreeing with anything. I'm saying for me, cumulatively, when I talk about the defensive coordinators, when I talk about the coaching staff mixed with the scheme, mixed with the people that we have in the scheme, to me – this is the most unorganized and bad defense that we've had in 25 years to me. Yeah, Statistically, it de- it they may have done yeah. better, but it, it, like, it, all year long. like other Other years, I've never felt like we didn't know what the heck we were doing. I just felt like we had a bad defense. This year, I felt like nobody knew what they were doing, from coordinators down to the people playing on the field. So it I'll, just felt that way for
1: me. And Ryan Day, understandably, is not a defensive coach, but he's then, as the head coach, is supposed to be surrounding himself with the best defensive coaches that are supposed to take over that role. And him bringing in Kerry Combs uh, and moving him up to D.C. was a mistake. And I think that is ultimately a problem that was not going to be fixed in a year. Do I think with an offseason with someone else at the helm is going to make a difference? I do. I do think that the especially having some young players uh, that I have a lot of confidence in and Didzel Burke and JT Tumaloau and Jack Sawyer, um, um Ronnie Hickman. I think Ronnie Hickman's still gonna stick around. Um I'm not sure if he's a redshirt sophomore sophomore, if he's a junior. I can't remember. Well, I but- do want to say this. Don't
0: come back next year. This is to everybody out there listening.
1: If we do change
0: DCs, come back next year when we have a similar looking defense and blame me saying, see, man, that's not the problem. Because I'm telling you right now, I don't care if we change DCs today. Our defense is not going to be a light years better next year. I'm sorry. It's just not. It takes time. It's going to take time to get the right guy in here with the personnel that he needs to run his style of defense. That's not going to happen next year. So don't come in here when we give up 30 points a game next year or two and say, see, man, like they fired the DC and got a new one. We still
1: suck. I think we will. Yeah, Yeah, I really do. Now, let me me throw this wrench in here that we've not even identified that might be an interesting take is that if you really want to look back, okay, and see which way this defense has been trending, I think ever since Urban Meyer became the head coach, He has constantly tried to recruit and focus around speed, spread offenses, stuff like that, okay? And if you look statistically, besides that 2019 year that we had a really good defensive year, we've not really had great defenses. It's just been enough of us being able to do enough offensively to win some games and being at least opportunistic. You know, Jim Trestle ran good defenses, okay? He was known for his good defenses and his occasional risk taking on offense, maybe once or twice a game. But ever since Urban Meyer took over, the recruiting and the whole view of, you know, the way Ohio State wanted to be run to be super competitive with not just the Big Ten, but nationally was the way Urban recruited these teams. Okay. You following? Yeah, what's happened now is that these other teams in the Big Ten are starting to catch up in regards to their matching some speed with it as well. But it's almost kind of like it's coming back full circle in the fact that this Big Ten football needs to get back to some of this big bruising football. And it's clear that we may not have that style of player anymore because of the way these, this team has been focused on recruiting over the last seven, eight, nine years. It's true. And, and do you know why people, the reason Urban Meyer does
0: that, the reason he did, he has something that nobody else had in the Big Ten at the time, and that was experience winning in the SEC. So he knew what it would take to win in the SEC, and that's the way he recruited. Now, that's not necessarily how you win in the Big Ten, okay, but it was good enough. That's my point. The Big Ten, well, it, it, w- it
1: worked until the Big Ten finally started to evolve. I mean, if you think well, I think other Jim, big Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh went zero and five, right? Zero and five, and he understood. You know, this is going to be his legacy. You know, it's almost surprising he wasn't fired before that. But you know, this is almost kind of his last hurrah. Even though I know he signed an extension for significantly less than he initially did for his first contract, but he's had to evolve. So that's why he's finally surrounded himself with younger coaches and understand what it's going to take to beat Ohio state. I guarantee Michigan finally is recruiting players trying to understand how do we beat Ohio state? Well, they do need to match up with some of this speed, but also understanding that is we've finally gotten to a point where, listen, there's been a lot of shit talking that's been going on by Michigan over the last couple of days and whether or not that's smart for them or not, it's going to give us a lot of bulletin board material and stuff, but they're not wrong with some of the stuff they've said. I don't agree with the fact that Josh Gaddis, you know, the uh, the Michigan assistant coach uh, is saying that we're we're not a tough team. I don't think that, but I think he's on the right lines in the fact that we might be a little more undersized and more speed and finesse oriented that that big time power of football can just truck over us and i think maybe they were trying to play more of our game and try to beat us on speed and they couldn't earlier on and then they finally got back to some basic football saying listen we may only get 6 7 yards of carry um and you know nothing you know would be you know high flying offense score a ton of points but they're not going to be able to stop us if we keep lining up and bruising them over lining up and bruising them over because they're more built for this speed and trying to stop other offenses that are more high flying offenses And you know, running this real tough nosed type of football, as long as our defense can step up and do something, has the potential to win. And I think that's the formula we've seen, and I think that's gonna cause a difference in the way we recruit our defensive players moving forward. I disagree. I'll tell you why. The Big Ten has always been this way, and that's why we lose to the
0: SEC. We've lost so many bowl games, so many national championships because of speed. We had big guys. We had big bruisers to try to maul people over. It didn't work for 25 years. It's not going to work now. I'm sorry. That's not the pedigree. Now, it may be good enough to beat Ohio State a couple of years. It may be, especially when we have a, a completely young team and it's such a confused defense. But I'm going to tell you what right now. If we had even half of a defense that we usually have, we would have won that game, and we'd be playing Notre Dame or we'd be playing Alabama or somebody else in the playoffs. And I'll tell you this much right now. When 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 Michigan, uh, number two team in the country, my ass, by the way, Number two team in the country goes up against one of these big dogs. They're going to get
1: eaten alive. Mark my words. So let me ask you this then. And I, I'm, I have a feeling I know how you're going to answer. Um, and I guess maybe you can give me two answers. Maybe one out of spite or one out of whatever. Spite is all but I have right now. I know. At this <laughs> point, would you rather Michigan win the, win the national title? Damn it, I knew you were going to ask it.
0: I I knew you were going to ask it.
1: Yeah, but I mean. I thought to
0: myself, I go, he's going to ask
1: it. I'm going to. I thought about asking you that. Because, listen, we can sit here and be a homer all we want and say, screw Michigan all we want. Um, But do we want to be seen? And and I'm honestly just asking you. Do we want to be seen as the team that look like crap against Michigan and then they come out and either lose to Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game and don't even make them the CFP or the team that makes the CFP and gets curb stomped and gets you by 20 plus points or do we want to be known as that team that struggled with young players on the road maybe Steele even had an outside chance to win that game to the team that ended up winning the national title that year and what does that set up for a rematch next year knowing that Michigan is coming in uh, to our place next year as you know previous national champions you know the way this answer is going to go because the last episode we talked about our least favorite Michigan memories. This one, unfortunately, is going to have to become my new number one.
0: It, it, and I may be with you. Yeah, to, to be honest, this hasn't fully all the way set in. Like, I haven't fully been able to, like, process it, put it behind me, and then take a look at it from a different view yet. I'm still in my emotions about it. But I will say this. My least favorite you know, Michigan moment at all was Charles Woodson, like we talked about, um, where we, we got beat and literally – um they went on to win the national championship and that's why i hated it god they beat us and we went like if we would have won we would have gone to the national championship dude this year michigan took away a big 10 title and a shot at a national title for me so no i hope they don't i I, honestly i hope the team bus crashes
1: i've told you that before (laughs) man as much as i want to agree with you and a big part of me does i think it would look worse and maybe even feel worse knowing that we got it stripped from us just for them to shit the bed. See, to um, me, though, we've already I'm given not, up I'm the not, year. We I'm know not it's a bad wi- football team. I'm, it's not not make- wishing, I'm not wishing Michigan well. Don't get me wrong. I know, but wrong. what I'm saying is I'm not it's not rooting for them to do hold well. On. at all. Just
0: let me say this point, point, then you can go on. Them winning is not going to make our football team look any better than it does.
1: It's a, no, it's but a bad it'll football make, team. It'll, it'll make me feel better overall knowing that, hey, we didn't really realize— how quality this team was, and in going into this, how unprepared we probably were for this game, or maybe took them for granted, or something—I don't know. Yeah, but maybe you know what it'll make, help. You don't know make me
0: feel better. It would make me feel better if somebody put Visine in all their drinks the night before the game. I mean, that that would make me feel better. But it's not going to happen. Okay, uh, it's not
1: going to happen. You imagine smell <laughs> in the bathroom that
0: night. <laughs> you know, I just—it's hard for me to—I I do
1: not want Michigan to ever win a national title ever. Never. I agree, man. I think I think at the end of the day, you know, gun to my head, I'd rather them just go ahead and lose in the Big Ten championship game and not even get there, just as a big FU to them. But if they get to the playoff, there's going to be a part of me that doesn't want them to get embarrassed because the Big Ten doesn't become the laughing stock of the football world again. All I can say is go Bearcats. Listen, that's where that's where my alliance is at this point. You know, I've never had a problem with them. Do I think Ohio State's still a better team than Cincinnati? Yeah. And I think anyone, you know, if they had to bet their mortgage on it, if they want to call that heads up, they would bet Ohio state, whether they want to tell you that to their face or not. So all these people that are saying that Cincinnati is really the best team in Ohio is full of shit. They're just trying to trigger people. It's just, it, we're in a very interesting time. You know, it, it's, it's almost incredible. To think about it, Chad, that we started this podcast in two crazy years, man. We started it in a COVID year. And our second season, we finally get our first matchup with Michigan and we lose the first time in 10 years. Like, this has just been crazy, hasn't it? And, you know, Bruce Almighty, like, you know, how like he like can make the stories up
0: like as he's going around, like they find Jimmy Hoffa and all that stuff. Like, he keeps on scene to report it. Like, I feel like it's how we are. Like, as soon as we start this podcast, like all hell breaks loose, COVID and losing,
1: you know, all this stuff. And here we are live to report it. You know what I mean? You want to take a break next year? See if we can get this ship righted, and then we'll pick it up in two, uh, 2023. I've said this
0: before to my wife and everyone else in my life. I am the problem, and I know it.
1: <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> I know that.
1: Moving forward, um, especially since we don't have any more games until potentially January 1st, uh, we're probably going to cut down our podcast till about one a week. We may be a little more creative with some of the content that we were going to talk about. Uh, just because we don't necessarily have games to preview, games to react to, things like that. But, you know, I think this is going to be an interesting time to cover some topics that maybe people are going to be interested to hear that we have not had the time to talk about throughout the season. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely keep checking us out. We're going to try to, especially in the off offseason, uh, be a lot more consistent. Last year, we kind of had a big old break there. You know, just life kind of got in the way and we had a bunch of things going on. But we're going to try to stay a lot more consistent and be up to date. A little bit more with what's going on with the team, even in the offseason. But, yeah, we're going to hold at least some of the, you know, final season overall assessments until after the bowl game.
0: Yeah, man. And like always, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, you know, it's it's been a it's been a really weird, you know, it's been a really weird couple of years, like even since we started the podcast. It's just been a really weird couple of years. But we appreciate you guys taking the ride with us. We love the fact that you listen. If you have anything you want to hear, questions you want us to address, things you want to talk about, um, whatever, just just drop us a line and uh we'd be glad to answer it. And, you know, as much as it's hard to, let's get hyped up and let's find out who we're playing this bowl game and kick somebody's ass. Davis, tell them where they can find us
1: all right guys as always uh you know you can find us on all major streaming services spotify itunes iheartradio amazon music youtube music and more um we also post these on youtube um, if you don't have any streaming services and you like to listen to them there uh, usually they're up there a little bit later than we post them on the other things but we do put them up there as well and of course we have a facebook page um, that we share a lot of this content and some other information as well And that's probably the best way to contact us and communicate with us and let us know what you think. And if there's anything you're maybe possibly looking forward to hearing in the future. So um, definitely hit us up, give us a like, give us a listen. And like Chad said, we really appreciate all the support we're getting, guys. I mean, we're still kind of in the infancy stage of what this podcast really could be. And I know, you know, at some point this this year we went over a 1,000 downloads. You know, we're starting to grow in – popularity and listens and hopefully you guys are really enjoying what you're listening to we'd love to keep this going and try to make this bigger and better each year so until next time guys go bucks oh